0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to a very special interview edition of the Leeds App Podcast. I'm Paul and tonight I'm joined by James. Hello. And we are, have the very pleasure of interviewing... One of our own. Yeah. He's on. one of our own. <laughs> it's one... Oh, no. Sorry. That's what I was hoping you'd do. Oh, yeah, you. we're interviewing Rocco. Hey. Mr. Mr. Rocco Dean. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure thing. to be here. Long time <laughs> listener. Well, do you know what? You did us a massive, massive favor in sending us a copy of these books. And whoa, what a read. Let's get into it. So. Tell us a little bit. What's the title for everyone out there? What, what have you written? I've written a book called
0: The O'Leary Years, and it's about football's greatest boom and bust, as I say in the subtitle, um, which uh, obviously documents the, the four seasons that O'Leary was in charge of Leeds. And uh, yeah, what, a, what a, a great few years it was with the odd uh, horrific down in between and, uh, and
1: then, yeah, whatever happened afterwards as well. It's all ups oh. and downs, isn't it? That song couldn't be more apt, could it mm. really? But anyone who's been listening for, for a little while will know that you've been uh contribute, you've been a a member of the show, member of the podcast, but and you've also they may have checked out the blog that you've written. But tell us a bit about your background. Where does Rocco Dean author come from? It's it
0: was it was all pretty abrupt, really. Um so I I used to enjoy writing as a kid. I wrote reports, match reports, after I'd been to games. Uh, I am that sad. But then came of age where I was uh, drinking and enjoying life. I stopped doing that and didn't really, well, I didn't write anything again until uh, Bielsa came along. About three quarters way through that first season, I decided to, well, my wife felt pregnant. So I decided to document the season. So I started just writing, you know, writing up the season match by match you know, really enjoyed doing it and, and sort of realized it was quite good, kept going, um, you know, ended up writing the the full two seasons out as a as a book, sent it to Bielsa, um, and he turned up at my house a few days later uh, to tell me what great work it was um with presents as well and uh, yeah that sort of motivated me to uh to, to sort of you know at that point it was just a you know a, you know rambling really but it sort of motivated me to perfect it do it you know do it as as well as i could and send it to a publisher and um and they liked it too and it got released and then i became a best-selling author as we all know um <laughs> <laughs> and here we are
1: i was gonna say w- was writing a book always an inspire, like an, an aspiration was that something you wanted yeah. to do?
0: no not at all not not in the slightest I mean you know it's never never even entered my head I, you know just I was doing it for for myself as well you know I enjoy I enjoyed writing you know what I was doing you know I said I was doing it for my son but I was doing it for myself as well but yeah it was just you know just recreational really it's just some, something to do uh, in between work in between by the way <laughs> That
2: that for me is a classic of Bielser. He he motivates everyone. He doesn't just motivate his team players. It's like, do you know what? I'll go, I'll go visit Rocco Dean and see <laughs> see what I can see
0: what career I can muster for him. It is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, I'd I'd love to know. Um it might be a a, a future book, maybe, but I'd love to sort of know stories of people that have been affected by bielsa all around the world you know people you know at the clubs that he's been at because i'm guessing there's there's similar sorts of stories everywhere um
1: yeah what a man see that's a clever one because that one could get you trips all over the place now you're thinking now you're thinking (laughs) travel writer you've got it started. so to anyone who's listened to the show for a very very long time or since probably the beginning when we started doing this James and I have probably chronicled a bit of like our background and how we got into Leeds United first games that kind of thing which I don't expect anyone to have remembered but you've never had an opportunity to share that with anybody so tell us how how did you get into Leeds United
0: um I got into Leeds by um go into the Luton match um in the championship winning season. So almost 30 years ago to the day, it was the end of this month. I was an Everton fan uh, in, my, wow. in my very youngest years.
1: Yeah, wow. yeah. Big bombshells. I didn't expect these kind of nuggets to be coming out this early in the interview. I <laughs> oh, no.
0: Yeah. Well there you go. There's an ex- well it's not an exclusive because it's it's <laughs> it's in one of my books. But um yeah so I was an Everton fan and then uh, went to Ellen Road and yeah the minute I walked inside I was I was done. That was it. I was I was a lead fan.
2: Why the hell were you an Everton fan? Because your dad was a Leeds fan as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Leeds fan.
0: yeah, um it's because so in the nineteen eighty nine FA Cup final, I was uh like six, five or six, six. And my brother was a bit older and we were playing football in the garden before the match and he said I'll be Liverpool, you be Everton. That was the fixture. And uh, and it just stuck um so you know he's still a Liverpool fan to this day he's got a season ticket we're, we're off to the game together next week and yeah but it never stuck for me because I went to Leeds
2: and your your dad actually on that subject uh he's he's known within the Leeds United community isn't he what's he known for rocker?
0: yeah he uh, he went viral uh when he he put verses to the Pontus Janssen chant and <laughs> uh, and stuck it on the internet and then yeah he uh, Yeah, he became a bit of a personality for a time. He was on on the radio a few times, and uh, he performed live at the uh, Ludo uh, Player of the Year (laughs) Awards. Excellent. Uh, It
1: was great. Yeah. I can't believe your brother's a Liverpool fan. (laughs) This is, like, earth-shattering stuff. That's the kind of thing that does stick, though. And, yeah, mad. It took three years for you to be fixed. How come he wasn't fixed? (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't know it's it's an interesting question because yeah he my dad um, my dad so after they won the league we got a season ticket but my, my brother had a season ticket as well you know my dad got three Um, you know because he thought it'd be unfair not to not to bring my brother along if if you know if he's taking me to football every other week so yeah Johnny had a season ticket for like Four years at Alan Rowe, but he'd just sit there with his uh, with his Walkman listening to 909, uh, like following back in the Liverpool game. Wow. Now Leeds are playing. Yeah. Right. This uh, has yeah. taken
1: a, tw- a turn <laughs> down an alley I was not expecting. What a horrible person. Anyways, right. So the book, uh, The O'Leary is Football's Greatest Boom and Bust. Why then? Why write about then and why do it now? Because now I'm an author, so uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now is the time to start uh, capitalising on my huge talent. Um, and yes, yeah, I mean, I just thought it was the. It, I mean, it was to me. It was. I'm surprised that no one's um, chronicled it properly before. Because I mean, it is. You know, for many, many of the fans of Leeds, it'll be you know the best period of their lives. Like like it was mine supporting Leeds. It was you know an incredible four seasons, and it was. You know, so much going on off and on, on and off the pitch. I, I just knew that it would be a, a you know a, a great story and a, a story worth worth writing about.
2: I think it's funny that in the obviously because it's a story about O'Leary, so it's not really mentioned much, but within the first few pages it mentions the plane crash that all the players were in, and then it quickly moves on from that. It's like that's not even the biggest drama. <laughs> it's like they're in a plane crash.
1: My favorite bit in the first the first page used the phrase mullered the opposition. That's how you know that you're a top author. You get <laughs> phrases out like "muller the opposition." It's strong stuff. So, like James says, it covers a long period of time in a lot of detail. How do you go about collecting the research for that kind of a book?
0: I wrote it sort of like just from memory first, and also match reports that I'd written. I've I've still got these these reports that I did in in little school books that I must have stolen at the time. Um, so yeah, using them, and I mean, I just had a I had a list of the fixtures up, so I you know I I sort of didn't forget anything in terms of you know what to mention. So I just yeah did the bones of it, and then started doing edits like starting you know reading through it and 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 then yeah, with I used the the programs, so you know I've got a match day program from from nearly all those matches, and you guys helped me out. I got I picked up the the missing ones from Matt, which was really really appreciated. And that really helped, um, you know, to to be able to use the quotes from the time of of O'Leary and Risdale um, and some of the players thrown in there. You know, it really gives a flavour of of how it was at the time, how it felt, how everyone was feeling, how they were planning, and and it it's surprising, you know, even you know writing it and and reading. It, I think um, you know to see the the change of strategy at the club. Like they were so careful at first, like. Not giving Hasselbank what he wanted even though he was a star player and you know not bidding six million for Kieran Dyer and you know they, they were just you know they were very patient in the transfer market yeah so it it, it was it was really worthwhile doing yeah do, going through the programs uh, so meticulously um and that's that's pretty much it um apart from of course like the the court case and things like that I had to be very careful and make sure make sure I read up reputable uh research on that don't want to get any lawsuits on my hands.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about transfers and, and being careful because I think David Batty around that time was kind of our biggest signing, wasn't he? Like four yeah. and a half million and, and typical leads that he was injured uh, after his first game. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of similarities between then and now, which makes me not want the the bust part to happen now, obviously, but there were so many injuries around that time as well and it's you you do you do forget because it's you know it is 20, 20 years ago um but it was yeah a really difficult time yet we were still doing really well
0: yeah but i I was surprised like the amount of times you know that that we had like ten players out you know it happened almost every season it we, we were we were ravaged by injuries it's yeah I, I sort of didn't remember it like that it's it's pretty incredible um that we sort of had the success that we did um, with that in mind yeah it's it is funny the the comparisons to this season and how it's ravaged us this season and uh, like in in the champions league yeah uh, in january we were we were like six points ahead of the relegation zone so. Like, we ended up finishing fourth, still, uh, and nearly winning the Champions League. So, but yeah, like now under PL, so six points in front of the relegation zone with a massive injury list. It's it's just mad.
1: So I I love the story about queuing up for away tickets, and you talk about the shop going to the shop and getting the boys and what the, the cracked different. egg, the cracked egg was it, yeah. Yeah. rocker? Yeah. yeah, it's it's all so vivid when you came to write it. I know you've said about your notes and the programs and other bits, but did you feel it? Did it come back to life in that way when you're doing it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it, it's surprising how, how it does come back to life. And like when you, when you're getting a flow of writing, um, it, like it's quite hard to stop. Um, so, you know, I've, I, you know, you'd be, I, you know, you're so immersed in it and you, you do like you, you feel like that young lad again when you're when you're going through it and you, you know when you're writing it up it, it does stir up the same emotions it mm-hmm. it's amazing but yeah I was surprised how much I do remember from that period that you know all those little anecdotes that are sort of sprinkled throughout. Um, yeah, it's they're all in pretty, pretty decent detail. I had to check with some of my mates that I wasn't remembering them wrong. But uh, yeah, it seems like it seems like I did. But I suppose at the time it's all all you think about. And, you know, at the end of the season, I'd be, you know, watching the season review three or four times. You know, so it, it's almost like you're revising it constantly when you when you're going through it. So it's all still, yeah, still ingrained in my mind
1: a lot of particularly the, la- the 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 period between relegation from the premier league and Bielsa arriving a lot of it was just the experience because the football was so poor and you do cover both sides you talk about your experiences as well as that so when football was behind closed doors last season did how how did you feel it could you connect to it in the same way
0: no no I don't I, I think it's impossible isn't it um I, I like last season was weird at times um I, I didn't feel I didn't feel massively up for the games like I looked forward to them because it was you know it was lockdown and it was it was a distraction and you, you know you look forward to the games but like you know I was never jumping around up and down you know in the lounge and you know you know screaming the house down about matches it's yeah when you're not sharing it with with the rest of the fans it's uh, it's just not the same is it you, you have to be part you have to be part of it that's that's the whole point for me anyway uh, i suppose you know for a lot of people around the world then maybe you know they've they've never had it they've, they've never known anything different i suppose but yeah for us we've never known you know we're on the other side of it aren't we we you know home games are, are going and road and yeah when you don't have that it's yeah, it it it's yeah it's just it couldn't be the same. Last season I
2: found was tough. It was nice to be able to watch like every game on TV legally, and uh, <laughs> but just not being there was just oh,
1: shit. Wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, it becomes frustrating when this season has not been as successful yeah, yeah. on the pitch because well, well feel... we we we
2: st- we still haven't seen them lift the trophy we didn't see them lift the championship no. trophy so it's like we've there's this void of stuff where we never really got to celebrate with the the fan uh, with the players sorry for it, uh, what is an amazing achievement and we've we've never had it it
0: leads that isn't it it's just just unbelievable like we spent 16 years waiting for that moment you know every season that went by it was like well it'll be better when it happens and then when it happened we we couldn't even be there which, to be honest, is why I uh, like. Do you know, at the end of the the documentary, where Bielsa says, you know, and uh, you know, the promotion, and he cut, and he says, and it, you know, it was beautiful. Like, I really don't think it was at all. I think it was absolutely tragic. Like, it could have happened worse. <laughs> it really, wasn't beautiful.
1: <laughs> well, it might be beautiful for all those people who decided to dodge the old uh, COVID regulations and get down Ellen Road, but. Wasn't that beautiful where we were? It was just Andy stood dancing on his shed. It was horrible. Oh yeah. It's really weird to say this because I want to say, without spoiling the book, tell us some of your favorite like stories or anecdotes. Because that kind of may spoil it. But equally, they're all about story games and results that we know. So it's like it yeah. doesn't doesn't spoil the book in, in, in itself. But are there any particular like which were your favorite bits to write? I think. For me, funnily enough, I literally just tweeted about
0: this because I saw on uh, on Leeds United memories popped up the the Anderlecht game and um, probably maybe surprised some people, but that Anderlecht game for me was was the highlight of the Champions League run. Um, like I absolutely loved Bola, you know, he was my absolute idol, and um, of course, like the trial was was had just started, um, so like the very like Monday. The the game was on the Tuesday and Monday was the first day of the trial and the prosecution were laying out the case and they spoke about how Boya, you know, falsely as it was proved by dental records, they were saying that Boya you know bit the guy's cheek and and you know he was a savage and he was all all over the front pages and um and then the next day he comes up and scores in the last minute to to win as an absolutely vital game. If we'd have drawn that game you know, we'd have been going to Anderlecht the following week and needing to avoid defeat to, you know, otherwise we'd have practically been out. So when Boya, you know, scored that goal, such an important goal, um, uh, you know, the roof came off and I was just, uh, I was absolutely, that was a, like the biggest high I think I've ever probably had at football, maybe apart from the, the Bristol Rovers promotion. The, there's so many moments in the book
2: where like you Rocco, I just sort of flood back to that time in my life. And, uh, it was amazing it was like they they were the best times ever with my dad like going to games i just you know i loved it so much and um it's yeah you mentioned in bowyer i remember being in the ground like every game during the trial and nothing fazed him at all he you know he got so much stick from the away fans and i think as home fans you sort of suspected it collapsing on him a bit but he was he was he was better he was yeah he was better than usually it was it weirdly spurred him on and it was he was like yeah he was on fire there was some there was some <laughs> great fights in games as well Was the
0: spurs one the the, yeah. the brawl the brawl springs to mind as well that's right yeah him and him and tim sherwood uh because yeah like in the aftermath of george leaving for Spurs, like it, it did build up quite a, a big rivalry with them, um yeah. you know, at the time. And the players seemed to hate each other as well. And there was always flare-ups. And uh yeah, I remember that massive brawl just after we'd scored. Um, I think we beat them one-nil when we were in the title race with Manu. We were playing Manu the following week. And uh yeah, it was like
1: a big twenty-two man brawl on the pitch and everyone's just <laughs> absolutely loving it. See, this this is what it does, and that's that's the purpose of it to anyone who is interested in in reading a book around the time it evokes these memories because you're talking about Lee Bowyer and starting to think I then jump forward like one of my main Lee Bowyer memories is when he was involved in the contract dispute and the fans were chanting sign your contract or do one and it was it but it's so vivid and it's like it's a big part of part of the club and part of the history and part of like our experiences as fans and i don't know i i personally think that part of the reason it's not been spoken about until you're doing it now is that when we were down in the lower leagues shall we say there was a bit of a thing where you couldn't hark back you couldn't look back because you felt almost embarrassed to look back because we didn't have a club that was you didn't want to dwell on stuff in the past because you, you had nothing particularly to shout about at the moment. Whereas now we do, you can do that kind of nostalgia thing, but equally you've talked about the, the high points. How many did you, when writing it and look like looking through your notes or looking for your research, did you ever go, Oh my God, I, I, like, I can't believe that that happened. <laughs> Any of those moments. <laughs> Um, yeah,
0: without shadow of a doubt, the, the one that springs straight to mind is, is the book, um, O'Leary's book that he did, oh, um, Leeds United on Trial. Um, how a, a professional manager of a club trying to win the title can be allowed to write a book in the middle of a season, in the middle of doing the job about his team, like so candidly, it's just unbelievable. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I do criticise O'Leary in the book for that, um, but part of me wonders whether... You know whether it was it could even have been the club's idea. You know they were so big on PR um, at the time. Like Risdale brought out a video as well. Um, you know it, it was yeah it was it was PR peak, wasn't he? Um, so I do wonder whether you know whether O'Leary was even pushed into. I'd, I'd be interested to know, but it was just absolutely ludicrous. And and how I mean I, re- I read the book. I'd already read it, um, but I reread it in uh, in in uh, for research. It is so candid. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, is, it is unprofessional, uh, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, that gets said in there. And at one point, O'Leary even writes, you know, modern players are, are sensitive to criticism, even if it's constructive. Um, yet, you know, the whole book is constructive criticism pretty much. You know, he, you know, the main message is that he loves his players, but, you know, all, all of them get some sort of uh, criticism along the way. So, yeah, it, I think it was
1: suicidal. So of of the era, um, other than Boyer, who really stood out, like maybe people that you didn't hadn't remembered or thought about in the following years, like going back and writing it up, who who stood out for you? I think um, I mean Oli Dacor. I think is is probably the one
0: that was most underrated. And um, what I noticed is that um, like in the Champions League season he was getting my man of the match nearly every single week. It was either him or Rio Ferdinand. Um, And he, yeah, he was, he was, I remember how he controlled matches and, you know, how tenacious he was, but how, how skillful he was and 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 graceful as well. He was, he was a a brilliant midfielder and like next to Batty, they were just absolutely perfect together. So I would say Dakar. I mean, I don't want to big the other guy up too much, but, I mean, Harry Kew was something else. He was he was absolutely unbelievable coming through, like a you know a really special talent. Yeah, let, let's leave it there. <laughs> are
1: are <laughs> you saying a Dakar and Batty midfield is more solid than a Rodrigo and Click one?
0: <laughs> yes,
1: yes, that's an exclusive. Yes, it
2: is. I've got I've got a recommendation for anyone who who reads the book, and I would say that. When Rocker goes through individual matches, you after you've read that piece, go back and watch the highlights. Just find them on YouTube and watch them. And there's, uh, it, it is it is great great reliving it. And and I'm completely with you on Harry Kuehl, Like when you watch the games back, you just think, like again considering the amount of injuries, had we not had Kuehl and Hasselbank in that that initial season under O'Leary, we would have been screwed. Yeah, they they were they were so so good and. Again, like you look at it as a parallel to now, and you think actually, if we had an attacking player, which we do, Rafinha, and he was firing on all cylinders, and a forward there with him, then we'd be we'd be flying. But it's, that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, it's, that is true. Actually, I, I I've probably as well. I'd, I'd mention Ian Hart because. I mean he just seems to be scoring free kicks every single game or, or you know or setting them up you know everything's from a an Ian Hart delivery you know I, I think one season he scored maybe 15 goals um, maybe a bit a few less but um you know I, obviously I didn't keep well not obviously but I didn't keep
1: tally of assists at the time but I bet they were through the roof you look back at it now though when you think when you think about that team you think comebacks last minute winners it like and then you read the book and like, yeah it's not just me generalising in my memory, saying that it did happen really frequently.
0: Oh and I mean they were they were really fit as well. And, I mean that's the thing what I like about um, about that O'Leary team as well as Bielsa's team is that you know they really do fit in with the, the the Leeds United philosophy. You know, like Don Revy's team as well. You know, the up and at them. You know, giving the opposition you know no time to breathe. And it's quite interesting as well reading the comments from O'Leary when he got the job because he basically described what he wanted to do at the club was basically what Bielsa did. You know, he wanted to make every, he wanted to make Leeds everyone's second team, and you know, he wanted to change the philosophy of the club and, and make them you know world renowned for playing great football. And you know, so yeah, it's quite quite interesting to to draw those comparisons as well. Twenty years on,
2: do you think there's elements of O'Leary's team that were probably <laughs> probably uh, roughly coached in the same way as Bielsa. And what I mean by that is, you know, you look at Smith and he was a pest, wasn't he? He he yeah. was defending from the front. He was like a Bamford of his time, but pressing, was it really a, a thing then? I, I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, well, it was, it certainly was for Smith. Less so. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I didn't I, I really didn't re-watch any of the matches, to be honest. Like I, I did watch the season reviews um when I was researching it, but um, you know, mostly it was it was from memories and, and my reports. Um it would be interesting to 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 see uh, yeah the, the, the tactical side of things, but yeah, I can't really comment because and I certainly can't remember. Um although I would say um when we played Arsenal, you know, we we used to really get up up, you know, get up and at them. And I re- I remember the game where we beat them one nil and one man knew the title. Like mm. I, I remember, you know, laughing to myself because or probably not even to myself, just laughing because you know Seaman kept playing short balls out to Keon and Adams and we were just on them so quickly and they just couldn't they couldn't get out of their own half. We absolutely pulverized them. We mulled them, Paul.
1: <laughs> Fair phrase. Tell us just a little bit before we finish about your your first book that you released as well. What was uh, all that about?
0: Yeah, that was so that was um so that was the two years of um of leading up to promotion. So Marcelo Bielsa versus the damned United. And it's a bit different in a way. Um, you know it, the the Bielsa book is like more like a diary really I, I was quite I wrote it and then like when I read it when it was published I, I started like I didn't realise how personal it was <laughs> like it's it's uh, yeah it's like a it's like a diary you know it diarises um, you know my experiences my you know going to the game and you know all the, you know the stories and 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 my feelings etc whereas O'Leary, the O'Leary is is probably you know it has it has the anecdotes sprinkled in there but it's sort of more I don't know if journalistic's the right word, but you know it, it's describe it's describing the the action and, and what's happening a little bit more. Whereas, yeah, like I said, the bielsa book's probably a bit more personal.
1: So you've done the modern great. You've had a little look at the uh, not a little look. You've got an in depth look at the old O'Leary years. What's next? Next, uh, I am going to do League
0: One Years. I'm gonna do League One leads. Um, I've been writing it and it is quite an incredible story as well. Like that first season with the minus 15, um, just absolutely bonkers all the way through. And of course, you've got Ken Bates in the background, you know, never dull, never a dull moment with him and his antics. Um, and then of, of course the last season with uh, you know, we were so similar to the Bielsa promotion season in that you know, we were you know basically breaking records in the first half of the season. Then we beat Man U and then just completely fall off a cliff until we get over the line against Bristol Rovers. And yeah, I've enjoyed writing it. It's uh it's not far off being done actually. um I don't know <laughs> a lot of people might not be ready to read about Leeds and League one, but I think it's a well, it is a worthwhile story and it's part of our history like I, you know I feel like it's you know just as valid as anything you know it's it's the it's the lowest point of the club's history, of course. we've never been there before. hopefully we'll never be there again. and uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's worthy of documenting. I can't believe you're curling out another book, Rocco. <laughs> it's, like, it's not even been five minutes since this one's out. He's already on to the next and, one. Uh, Got to give people a, a chance to read the ones that I do write, don't know.
1: I'll tell you what, if anyone's listening to this and they're not sure, they're just hearing it for the first time, where can they pick up a copy of this book and your other book?
0: Um, my Both my books are uh, in all good bookstores. Um, and, uh, Amazon, uh, the, the Leeds, uh, club shop, I don't know if they've got the O'Leary out just yet, but yeah, they've sell, they're selling the the Bielsa book. Um, yeah, anywhere, type it into your, your favorite, uh, search engine and buy it.
1: So I can buy them. <laughs> I, I could get a season ticket discount on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could. That's yeah. True. Or uh or you uh, come to me and I'll uh, I'll send you a, a signed copy at a at a nice nice discount. It will be discounted if it's signed, won't it? it will be bloody devalued. <laughs> <laughs> defaced. I'll send you a defaced version with my scribbling all over
2: it. Yeah, Rocco honestly, I like I know I'm messing about, but I re really, I genuinely love the book. It is a proper walk down memory lane there. It's, you know, there's so many vivid memories there. Like I was thinking about uh, the Man U game when we drew one all and Hasselbank scored for that nutmeg through Schmeichel's legs and, uh, and I re-watched the whole game. Someone's put it on YouTube the other day and it's it brilliant. And I remember it so well and yeah, the the Leicester City game where Martin O'Neill was potentially coming to Leeds and I remember that because when Tony Cotty scored we were in the, fam- the family stand and behind us they used to give out the boxes to away fans and all these Leicester fans, Way! cheered when he scored. <laughs> this one guy just turned around and Bang knocked him out. It's like, it's like this is the family stand. Um, yeah, but just some some great memories and uh, brilliant, mate. I really enjoyed it. Nice one, and, great. to hear And it. I
1: know that like I am biased because I love having you on the show. It's been it's been a real pleasure to getting to know you through this medium. But I would say that you are an inspiration to anyone out there who is wanting to get into writing. It shows that when you get that bug and you've got something you're passionate about. That you, if, if you've got a growth mindset, an open mindset to things, that you can complete a project and curl three out in 12 months. It's not a, <laughs> it's, it's like, I think, I do think that that's an inspiration to people that if, if you've got something you're passionate about and you enjoy it, just give it a go and keep your notes from when you're a kid because that <laughs> you never know when they're going to come in useful. 40 years later, you could be writing a book about it. It's not a problem. Just I, go for it. W- one thing I've just reminded, uh,
2: um it just
1: reminded me is that probably in those
2: notes from that time but you sort of moan about how things have changed as well and you oh, moan yeah. ab- and you moan about like uh, goals being like all the same now and they used <laughs> to be like have different stanchions and stuff it's like yeah these are all things that we all feel aren't they it's like they they were the great things where it was different to go to a different ground or an experience yeah. ground, but anyway I'm going on
1: there you go well thank you very much for for joining us Rocco I know that you're part of the team but it was great to just actually go through a bit more about you and a bit about your writing background and these brilliant... Uh, what are they? Books? Yes. What are they? Books. Dust collectors. <laughs> books. <laughs> books that you've written. So I don't know why I'm being... Goasters. I'm not mean at all, but James has started getting stuck into your by it. it just seems like I can join his team and we'll like bully you for being a best-selling author. <laughs> yeah, That's but Roc- Roc-
2: Rocco knows I love the
1: books. It's fine. My best fan. My agent and best (laughs) fan. Bush, I was (laughs) your agent. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to that as much as we've enjoyed chatting with Rocco about it. And we will be back as usual with our Match Day podcast. I'm sure we're all enjoying those this season, particularly the uh, high points of the Everton game. But hopefully plenty more interviews to come over the coming weeks and months. Thanks, everyone. Network.